Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Wednesday, October 13th edition of the Basement Academy. We begin with a morning psalm, we continue with some reflection, and I hope whenever it's done, you will continue to think a little bit. <laughs> and uh, we read the psalms, or pray the psalms, because we think this is part of... Uh, a grounded and faithful life. God gave us through the scriptures these 150 prayers to pray our way through our lives and through uh, all the circumstances we face. So today's psalm that we'll offer by way of prayer is Psalm 43. You can hear some echoes uh, from Psalm 42, what we read yesterday about uh, having the downcast soul. Psalm 43. Vindicate me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. Rescue me from deceitful and wicked men. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Send forth your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then will I go to the altar of God, to God, my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the harp, O God, my God. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Amen. Uh, an important prayer, a prayer for vindication and for God's care and direction. Send forth your light and truth, O Lord. Let them guide us today. Amen. Okay, let's unlearn evangelism a little bit more. Yesterday I talked about just the meaning of the word is to share good news, the evangel, good news, gospel, good spell, God's good news. And so, very simply, evangelism is the process or activity of sharing good news. Now, my question is, what good news, what evangel do Christians have to share? So when I'm texting about the good news about a barbecue place or the good news about a sports score, that's not Christian evangelism. Christian evangelism is something different. What good news do we have to share? Uh, in other words, what is the gospel? And most of us will go, duh. Uh, it's about Jesus, right? Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And is there more to that? Well, he, he rose from the grave on the third day. Okay, and what does that mean? What implication? Well, yeah, well, believe in him and you will be saved. How do you understand the gospel? If I were to ask you to take out a piece of paper right now and write down what you understand the gospel of Jesus Christ to be, what would you include? And you, you wouldn't include every word in the Bible, I think. Usually we think in terms of summary or condensed uh, versions. Um, 
I've seen uh, short expressions of this, like an A, B, C uh, for salvation. Admit you are a sinner. Believe that God sent his son Jesus to die for you. Confess him as Lord or commit, depending on what little pattern you've seen. Confess or commit to follow him or to believe in him, or to trust him, to obey him. So A, B, C, admit, believe, confess, or admit, believe, commit. Um, the four spiritual laws uh, is, a, uh, is one little pamphlet. Uh, the Roman road, the bridge illustration. There are a number of shorthand versions of the gospel that... Um, Many of us have been exposed to. Some of us may have been drawn to faith in Christ through those. And so by no means do I want to disparage uh, these, these summaries. But what do you understand the good news to be? What good news is it we are sharing? How deep, how wide, how broad, how high, how... how, how um, how much is there in the good news that must be heard and understood and believed in order for someone to be saved, to be transformed, to be restored in relationship, to be reconciled? Again, there's all kinds of words that we use in this endeavor. <clears throat> and maybe this is one of the reasons most of us don't share our faith very much is because I'm, I'm really not sure exactly what I would share. What, what is the, what are the basics? What are the essentials? What's the, what's the nub of the, of the thing? And so, um, Jesus died on the cross. He rose on the third day. Um, uh, he, he, he believe in him and you'll be saved. I mean, this is sufficient it's true. All of that is true. There's, there's not a, a statement there that is not reflected in uh, our scriptures. But what I have come to observe uh, and believe deeply that all this is good and well. A, B, C, admit, believe, commit. Um, all of this is good and well, but the truth is it's meaningless to most people. If, I mean, if you were to sit down on a plane, you know, talked on Monday, you know, one of the things we maybe falsely imagine around evangelism is what it is, is putting people on the spot when you're sitting next to them on the train, you know, the metro, or you get on a long flight from here to the West Coast, and you've got a few hours, and you're going to share Christ with that person. What do you say? And so this, if I've got you know, three minutes with a person or five minutes with a person, what are the things I want to convey? And, and the challenge is that increasingly in our society, such language, such statements about Jesus and his death and his resurrection and belief in him, they have no context. There's just nothing there. There's, there's nothing for it to, to, to hold on to. And, and so let me, let me share a gospel story. It's not going to sound like a gospel story to you, but I'm going to try to unpack why it is. 
number of years ago, I'm going to say this was before, um, uh, before coming to uh, Greenwich. I had occasion to fly to Vancouver, British Columbia, and attend a week-long um, class, essentially. I was uh, auditing a class with Eugene Peterson. It was wonderful. And so he was lecturing and he was presenting. And uh, it happened to be right at the end of June into the first couple days of July. And uh, July 1st is Canada Day, which is kind of like our July 4th, I guess, the national holiday celebrating. And so, um, uh, ended up being a delightful day. And uh, uh, Regent College is where the, the seminar was. Peterson was lecturing there. He was a professor there. And so there was this summer class and went and, you know, it was wonderful and just writing down notes and, and then ended a little early uh, because of Canada Day and because we'd had a full, full schedule. And so I just wandered down. I, I'm guessing it was maybe a mile or so. I don't recall, but I walked. I had no transportation. I walked down to this very large park. And just enjoying the day. And it's, you know, there was a lot of festivities, picnickers and festivities. And off in the distance, I see some people gathered and they're playing something. And as I get closer and closer, they're playing cricket. I have only, I had only seen cricket and have only since then seen cricket on television very rarely. And so I just sat down on a little hillside and I watched, honestly, probably was about an hour, hour and a half. And I watched and there was, it was a tournament of some sort because you, you had folks uh, pitch. I don't know if it's a tournament pitch or a field. I don't know exactly what it's even called. And I am watching cricket for this length of time and I'm going, I have no idea what I'm looking at. And so you've got the, I think it's the bowler and then you've got the little wicket thing, the little thing that's standing up and you've got this guy with a paddle. It's kind of a bat and you've got this guy with these, uh, you know, they've got pads on and whatnot and one guy. And then there's some people out in the field, but I don't, I'm used to baseball where there would be four bases that you would run around. But here, you know, it's a back and forth. For the life of me, I watched it and there was nothing intuitive about it to me. Okay. And so I, I pulled up just for fun. <clears throat> um, I pulled up uh, cricket scores. Okay. And so I'm just going to show for those who are watching this. Okay, so I can get this well. Okay, I've got uh, Papua New Guinea playing Ireland, 96 slash 8, parenthesis 20, 99 uh, slash 2, uh, and then what is that, 16.4. And then I've got Ireland won by 8 wickets with 20 balls left, T20. T20, one of 16, and then all kinds of stats down there. R and B and four small s, six small s, S slash R. Friends, I have no idea what any of that means. So Ireland won 
by eight wickets, but I can't I can't determine uh, an eight. There, I see a ninety nine and a, to a ninety six. I see a eight and a two. I I can't figure out the score differential. You know, I think in baseball you can say you know. The, this team scored seven runs. This team scored four runs. The team who scored seven. So Ireland won by eight, but I can't see it in any of the statistics. <clears throat> okay. Here's why this is a gospel story. <clears throat> I watched for an hour and a half. I know they're playing. They're competing. There's rules. There was action according to those rules. I have to assume that nobody was cheating, lying, stealing, you know, breaking the rules. I had no idea what was going on. When you do not know the game, people could, you know, I didn't ask anybody, but even if they had begun to explain it to me, I, I don't have any categories for it. That I would try to relate it to something I know. Is it kind of like baseball where, well, yes, but no. <laughs> and so what this told me then, what it tells me now is there are, we come across things sometimes and we we can watch it, we can observe it, we can see humans are engaged with it, we can see that they're enjoying it, we can see that it's taking time and focus and effort and intent. I don't know at all what's going on there. And so I spoke um, last week, uh, maybe two weeks ago, about the strangeness of Christian worship. For somebody who has no background in the church, no background in the gospel, no background in the scriptures to walk in and to watch us at work, they, you know, what, what are we doing? Liturgy is the work of the people, right? So when we gather, we're actually working, you know, we're working together to lift our praises, etc. And so absent context, one doesn't understand and so to, to shift to uh, another analogy out of the sports world, again, forgive the sports analogies. Imagine a couple weeks ago, I'm watching the television, I'm watching uh, a sport. And if I were to say to my wife or I would say out loud, oh, DeChambeau lipped it out, he have the hole. DeChambeau lipped it out and halved the whole. What does that mean? Well, they're playing golf. It's the Ryder Cup. It's match play. You, you, each hole represents a point. If you tie the hole, you cut it in half. You have the hole. Lip it out. He puts it and it almost goes in, but it lips out. The edge of the cup is like the lip, right? So it lips out. So Bryson DeChambeau is a player. He putts. So there's all kinds of context that somebody listening to this who knows the Ryder Cup or knows golf would understand that. You would hear DeChambeau lipped it out and have the hole. But if you don't know golf, you don't know golfers, you don't know the action, that, that is like gibberish. That is absolute gibberish. And frankly, that's what I speak to my wife sometimes. 
<laughs> because as I'm watching, I will say, oh, I can't believe, you know, he hit the home run. Oh, no. You know, well, you, you have to know who's playing. You have to know what part of the game you're in. All, there's, there's context that is required. And so my cricket example <laughs> is a gospel story because it reminds me how much I assume that is not true. I assume people all around me, again, not, not church people, I'm just saying, you know, folks I'm interacting with, I assume they think the way I do about God. They have a background as I do in these scriptures. They know this book contains the word of God, which has an Old Testament and a New Testament, and it's thousands of years old, and it tells the story of Moses and Abraham and David and, and prophets and Jesus and John the Baptist and Paul and the like. That which is so familiar to me, or if I could say it, so familiar to us as Christians, is often as, as, as jib, it is completely unknown to people in the world, to people that we even know. <laughs> we're assuming a context. So if I come up and I'm watching cricket, and if somebody were to turn to me and say crickety things, <laughs> I would just go, I would smile and go, oh, that's good. Not knowing if it was good or bad, actually. Jesus died on the cross. Who's Jesus? And cross? That's kind of funny. What's that? And he rose from the dead. Uh, hmm. Wow, that's kind of strange. I don't know. People rise from the dead. Believe in him and you'll be saved. Okay. Uh, believe in who again? And what did he do? And why would I believe in him? And, and, and what, what do you mean to be saved? From what? Saved from COVID? Saved from... Um, what, some kind of internet hack? I, what, what does it mean to be saved? I, I don't understand. Hopefully, you're catching on. We assume so much. We are insiders to the story. We've read the story. We've heard the story. We're familiar with the story at some level, though I would argue that maybe some of us could go deeper, and we're going to try to talk about that. You see, the good news of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the evangel, has content to it, which is usually where we stop. Jesus died on the cross. He rose from the grave. Um, believe in him, and you'll be saved. Admit you're a sinner. Uh, believe his son. Commit to following him, and you'll be saved. There's content that, that has a grounding in history and there's words and there's syntax and there's meaning, but there's content. But then there's context. Jesus lived 2,000 years ago, born in a small little um, Palestinian village, Bethlehem, because he was of the house and line of David. Uh, who's David? There's context. David uh, the great king who lived a thousand years before Jesus was born. And so we carry all of this context with us, historical context, when these things happened. We, most of us, have a sense that Abraham came before Moses, came before David, came before Jesus, came before Paul. And so 
we read the Bible and we tell the stories and we have a sense of the timeline, okay? But guess what? A lot of people don't. They don't have, they don't know the content. They certainly then don't have the context for that content, let alone the consequence of that content. So what? Okay. So Deschambeau lipped out and have the whole that, that, that says there, there's, there's, there's content. Those are the words. The context is golf rider uh, cup between Europe and uh, the U S and the consequence is that we didn't get a point and you know, we might not win the thing. And so there's content and there's context and there's consequence. And so we need to unlearn the simplicity of the gospel. We, we've got oh, the gospel so simple. Just believe in Jesus and you'll be saved. Well, everything there is true, but utterly meaningless to most people because there's no context around it. And the consequence, what, what does it all mean? So consequence has to do with the meaning of it. And so <clears throat> today is simply to get you thinking about crickety kinds of things. <laughs> How much of what we believe, what you believe about Jesus, do, is just gonna be like cricket to uh, friends, family, neighbors, <laughs> coworkers, somebody you might want to uh, be saved, and, and I, I think we would want all people to be saved, right? And so evangelism, telling this good news, is pays attention to not only content, which is we tend to only pay attention to content because we're assuming context and consequence because we have this larger sense of the story. So let me wrap up here. This is just, again, just kind of slow rolling to get you thinking about evangelism from some different angles going, I, you know, I never thought about that. That I'm quoting Bible verses to people and they don't even know what the Bible is or why we should pay attention to the Bible. You know, it's, it's just a set of words like any other words. And so we'll... We'll take another, that's just another step forward. <clears throat> but I want you to think about unlearning the simplicity of the gospel that you might not get, get it complex. I don't want it to be complex, but that we might learn, oh yeah, I can't assume all this other knowledge in other people that I am trying to, to pray for and try to witness to. So let's close there. Um, and we'll pick up again tomorrow. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the hope that is ours in Jesus <clears throat> that comes as a consequence of what he has done for us. And we thank you that by your spirit, you have opened the eyes of our hearts that we might understand the hope of our calling in this glorious inheritance that is ours and this wonderful, great, incomparable power that is at work within us. Lord, we pray even now for loved ones, family members, friends, coworkers, neighbors, those whom we have longed to share with or for them, someone else to share with them so that they would know Jesus as we have come to know Jesus. 
And Lord, help us to pay attention more more faithfully uh, to the context that we might be more patient, that we might be more humble in the ways in which we do bear witness to your great name. And so we offer our prayers now in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the God whose kingdom has come to us in Jesus and the God who is patient with us to make that known to us, may that God bless you and keep you and watch over you this day and forevermore. Amen.